Heidi, you were into riding bikes. Well, I just got into riding bikes. It was a women's all. Gotcha. It was a hundred miler. I just overcorrected and I went down and I knew I was hurt, but I didn't know the severity of it. And I was like, my neck is broken. Like I could feel the bones moving and could have died on the side of the road, really. It was scary. I looked up at the doctor and I'm like, so am I paralyzed? And he's like, yep, you sure are. And I was like, nope, sure not. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Heavy Checklist Podcast and... We're going to just get right into it this week because this is an episode that I'm really excited about, something I've been looking forward to, and it's something that is uh, very close to home here with the podcast crew. Tonight, we're going to have a discussion with Mrs. Heidi Wing. This is Marcus's wife, and she has a pretty incredible story about a pretty terrible uh, experience that she's gone through this past you know, year. So, uh, buckle up because what you're about to hear is both, uh, you know, tragic, but also miraculous. And it's one of the coolest stories that, uh, I've ever been able to witness. And I believe you guys will agree. So with that said, Heidi, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Who would have thought that we'd have, I mean, we always talked about having wives on here and stuff, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard, uh, it's hard to get the scheduling all worked out for everybody. So I guess you just got to get paralyzed to, be, to get an invite, right? <laughs> yeah. Crash your bike and here you are. Yeah. So, um, Heidi, why don't you just, for those of us, well, we got a lot of listeners and, and viewers that don't have any idea about your situation. So explain to us what happened. Like from... First, first she's a longtime podcast producer. Those oh, that's may right. No. So uh, I created that podcast studio at the house. Heidi has been behind the camera and behind the microphone for a long time. This is her first actual speaking podcast. So I love that. No stress. It's just a conversation. And before she's a little nervous. Before you, know? you even say anything, Heidi, I want to, I want to give a little bit of, um, background on my relationship with <laughs> Heidi. Uh, we met me and Marcus back in the old, and I think you were there too, Dave. Um, Oh, actually, for you audio listeners who aren't aware, tonight we have myself, Diesel Dave, to my left, and then hey, we Dave. have uh, hey. Mr. Mm -hmm. DJ hey, Marcus Wing and his beautiful wife, Heidi. Uh, so my background with Heidi was we were all at a party at your house back in Salt Lake back in the a day. A duplex. A duplex, yeah, yeah, just a party house. And this car full of girls rolls up, and you've got Heidi, you've got Marcy, you've got Candace, and you've got Aubrey. Aubrey. Uh, four yeah. girls, right? I think that was... Lisa might have been there. Maybe. I don't remember I that. can't remember either. But so this is the first time we meet Heidi. And I'm watching as Marcus meets Heidi and as, you know, the group meets and we start, you know, becoming buddies and friends. And um, I kind of connect with Marcy, your, one of your best friends. Let's be honest, man. No, you didn't. Yeah. No, you, you got Heidi's number and I was pissed. I wasn't going to say bro, that. You jumped on like three girls numbers. You freaking stole like all of them. Well, you want to know why? Because like, Ronnie was there. On? I was trying to beat Ronnie to it. Ronnie and Brian yeah. Alfin, those guys were the worst. Yeah. Brian Alfin still has my wife's number. Yeah. But <laughs> you gravitated towards Marcy, her best friend. And that's when I was like, okay, the number, cause you know, bro code, you get a girl's number, you know, let's just say I was doing, I was just being Dave. You know, courteous and I was just being cautious just in case somebody forgot to get numbers at the end of the night, I'd have all the numbers. Right? <laughs> I saw Heidi and I was like, dude, that girl's that's my what style. I was going to say. Yeah. As, as soon as you saw Heidi, I saw you guys connect. Yeah. Um, and and great group of girls, you know, they roll up. And, and from that moment on, it's pretty much been, you know, love at first sight. And it's one of the, it's 
Man, it's a pretty, uh, what's the best way to put this? It's a motivational relationship. It's an inspirational relationship. It's one that every marriage should strive to be because these two freaking love each other. Like, Absolutely. Like in yeah. a big, gnarly way that you don't see a lot of couples like this. Like it is, it is uh, Marcus. Marcus is head over heels for this girl, and I think she likes him too. Um, He's a keeper. <laughs> kind of. So Heidi is, uh, Heidi is a very vivacious individual. She's full of spunk, full of life. Full of shit. Talks she, a lot. Yeah, she, she likes to talk a lot of shit. <laughs> she um, always give you a hard time. Yeah, and she can she can keep up and outrun most shit talkers that I know. And so, outrun you. And outrun me. Yeah. Last birthday say. party about a year ago, we were at the trampoline park. Oh, and yeah. she, she's she did want me to tell you, you know, I, and bring up the fact that she beat you in, in a foot, foot race, race across I, the trampoline. She okay. will have me this year. Yeah. I, <laughs> maybe I'll give it's him a maybe one year. Yeah. And then after that, game on, bro. Yeah. It was a it was that was that was a momentary lapse of judgment last time I lost. I think I had the wrong socks on. Mm. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. have your grippy socks I on? I don't think I stretched. There was something wrong with my side of the tramps. Uh, Anyways. So uh, we love Heidi. Heidi's very spunky, very, got a lot of energy. This girl does not sit still at all. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's a little bit of background on who we're going to be hearing from. So Heidi, you were uh, you were into riding bikes. Well, I just got into riding bikes. In January, my cousin texted me and was like, hey, let's sign up for this road bike. And I was like, okay. So I was like, let's do it. So a we road bike race, right? Road bike race. Was it Lodija? No, it was a women's all gotcha. bike ride up in Logan. It was a 100 miler. And this is your first ride. I never ridden a road bike before. Yeah. So I was like, let's just give it a whirl. Did you get all kitted out with the spandex? One million percent. Nice. I went head over heels. I was Good. like, let's do this. If I'm in, I'm in. Yep. So we got a bike. We trained, we trained, and we trained. And June 3rd came. No, June 2nd came, and me and my girls, we went up to Logan, stayed there, woke up, and I was like, oh, this is going to be such a good day. I will actually say June 3rd, I still don't hate to this day. Even Which is seven months ago today. 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 Wow. It's weird, like, when with her injury, every month is an anniversary. Yeah. And uh, today is seven months. Yep. Wow. But June 3rd, I woke up. It was a beautiful day. You're in Logan. There's country land, sprinklers going, and, like, the most beautiful day. And we were just cruising, and mile 54, someone said to me, lead the way to lunch, which is mile 61. So we're like, cool, let's lock and load and just go. And then my girlfriend was like, hey, I'm on the left of you. I'm like, okay. And when I did, I just overcorrected, and I went down, and I knew I was hurt. But I didn't know the severity of it. And I was like, oh, I can't feel my legs. Oh, my neck hurts. And everyone's like, okay, just breathe. You'll be fine. And then a nurse behind me. So her friends were like, the way she wrecked, when they rolled up, they were just like, come on, Heidi, get up. Let's go. Because it didn't look that crazy. It didn't look mm -hmm. like super gnarly. There was no road rash, How no fast? blood. 20? 20 miles an hour yeah. I was going. But there was, like he said, there's no road rash. There's no nothing. There's no blood. And so they're like, oh, she just knocked the wind out of her. And after a minute, I'm like, no, my neck hurts. And then my friend went, no, she is my friend now. I have yet to meet her in person, but I will one day. But she is a neuro nurse, and she was right behind me. Something she, you didn't know at the time. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Count my many blessings. She was right behind me. She came up, and she's like, because my cousin Allison was going to take off my helmet. They were getting ready to rip her helmet off. Uh, and this neuro nurse rolled up and was like, no, 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 no. Nobody touch her. She stabilized Heidi's neck, 
and stayed with her the whole time until the ambulance got there, which, I mean, could have saved her from, she. I mean, what damage could have been done if they would have tried to get her up, have moved her neck, it could have been a lot worse. Could have died on the side of the road, really. Like, if Whitney didn't hold my head, because right when she held it, I could be, I looked up at her and I'm like, my neck is broken. Like, I could feel the bones moving. And she's like, hey, just breathe, just breathe, I got you. And then I'm like, she moved my arm. I'm like, oh, my collarbone is broken. So I knew exactly what was broken. Destroyed. Like, they repaired. She's got a scar from probably eight inches from her shoulder all the way over. And if I'm cutting you off. You talk, dude. Tell me. You're good. But, yeah, her her collarbone just wasn't broken. It was destroyed. It took, like, a big surgery, lots of plates, lots of screws to put that thing back together. It was, like, shattered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Four or five different pieces. So... They got me an ambulance, took me to Logan. I looked up at the doctor, and I'm like, so am I paralyzed? And he's like, exact word. Yes, you, yep, you sure are. And I was like, nope, sure not. And I closed my eyes, and I didn't open them again until Marcus got there. And then once he got there, I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what's going on. And he's like, no, you're, don't worry about it. You're alive. You're fine. We'll get through this. And we're getting through it. So... Yeah, so there's um, <laughs> yeah, we're getting through it. There's a, there's a lot of ground that we covered there. So I I'm I remember that day because I got a phone call from Marcus, a couple phone calls, and then Marcus and I have established a, a code word over the years where if he really needs to get a hold of me if it's serious, because mm-hmm. I guess he used to just call me for no reason. I don't I can't all the time. Why. I'm sure I used to. Yeah, bug you probably him. just call and bug mm-hmm. me. So we established this code word which was bananas, and if he ever texted me bananas, then I that was like emergency nine one one call back. And so I didn't have my phone because I set it down. I was working on something, and I came back and I saw bananas. Uh, and I called him, and uh, he he was like he was like, hey, you know, Heidi was in an accident. He was actually originally calling me to see if I could potentially fly up there and transport her rather than dealing with life flight, uh, which I would totally would have done. Probably wouldn't have been the best idea as far as <laughs> having air medics and stuff like that, but we could have got it done. And I was actually <clears throat> wanting to get a ride up there. That's right. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, when they told me she was hurt, I'm like, well, how hurt? Like, did she skin her knee? Like, did she break her arm? I had no idea how hurt she was till I was 20 minutes away from there. I just, they just, wow. they just kept telling me, Marcus, it's serious. You need to get here. Yeah. Right. Her friends. And so, like, I was like, well, I'll call Dave and maybe, I mean, er, I had a thousand things going through my mind, but I'm like, maybe Dave can just fly me up there so yeah. I can get up there quick, yeah. you know? Yep. And so you broke the news to me and obviously uh, pretty shook up. Uh, you guys got to understand that Heidi is Marcus's world. Everything. It's, it's She says everything, 100%. Um, and he shows it every day. So you fall off this bike. Doctor says you are paralyzed. We're going to pause right there for a second, and we're going to insert the clip that we just got of you coming up the podcast steps. That doesn't wild. make any sense. So for those of you who are just listening, uh, you can find this on our YouTube. I, I would definitely recommend taking a second to go see if you can find it. Um, but this is a clip of Heidi coming up an extremely difficult set of stairs that we had to build into this podcast studio because they had to be kind of a spiral st- a staircase. And it's basically like vertically climbing a twisted ladder. 
and you just climbed up those stairs uh, all on your own. Yeah, with no problem. Yep. With yeah, like oh. just as well as we do, because all of us are kind of on our hands and knees doing it, because it's a weird staircase. Um, better than me. So you go from <laughs> you go from paralyzed to to what you guys just saw. What does day one look like? Day two. Day two, I'm in ICU, and it's like I had my first surgery to fix my neck, and that was a how long was that surgery? It was a while. I think it was like six or seven hours. So I'm in surgery, and then I come out, and I've already had fluid on my lungs a little bit. But anytime they would move me, my collarbone would hurt. And so I begged for the second surgery. So day two, they did set the surgery. And then I got a bunch of fluid in my lungs, and I can't breathe. And I'm coughing, or I'm gagging on my own, like... Whatever fluids are in Whatever yeah. in there, and I can't breathe, and I'm choking constantly. He's, like, suctioning me. So day two was pure hell. It was scary. It was scary. It was scary because you were responsive throughout, right? Yes. I never lost it. Yeah. I was, I, I could tell you exactly what happened on my wreck. What, like, I remember what the girls were saying behind me. Like, I remember So when Marcus got everything. to the hospital, you were able to kind of give, explain to him mm-hmm. the best you could what happened. And so that is nice because you're not dealing with somebody who's unconscious, not sure if she's going to pop out of a no. coma or. Yeah. The, the paralysis or, you know, like. Being paralyzed, it also included like her the use of like the muscles in her body that you would use to cough. Right. So when a normal person gets something in their throat, right, you could just <clears throat> cough it up, and then you can you know hock a loogie or yeah. whatever you got to do. Right. Oh, that's terrifying. But mm. when Heidi would do it, she would just go up uh, 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 because she didn't have the ability to wow. cough, and so we had some really good. So her mouth is doing its part. Yeah. The muscles below it. Aren't. No muscles wow. are doing anything. So. She would just be choking and couldn't breathe. And so normally they would have a respiratory therapist come in and they would do all this work, right? The problem was, is if I wasn't there, Heidi didn't have the ability to call her nurses. She couldn't. They put a big old button. She could hardly move her arm or hand to to touch the button to get them, you know? So she could be sitting there choking. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so we... We got into it with hospital staff, and I'm like, I'm not leaving. And they're like, you have to. And I'm like, no, you can get security, and you can try to drag me out of here. But as long as my wife can't, you know, cough <laughs> or be on her own, unless yeah. you guys are going to have someone 24-7 until she can use her hand to call you, I'm not going anywhere. But then we had one really cool therapist. What was his name? Johnny. Was it Johnny? No, it's Jimmy. 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 He was this Asian tatted dude. And he came in and Heidi was like, he's got to show you something. He's got to show you something. So I'd normally go home and sleep for like, what, a couple hours? Yeah. And then I would come back and Jimmy was like, yo, next time she does this, you're going to stick your fingers underneath her rib cage. You're going to put your hand up and under. And when she goes to cough, you're going to push up and over and you're going to kind of like almost a Heimlich, but not right. And she could cough. It's called the quad cough. And what she would do is I could see her doing that. So I'd run up. He showed me how to do the quad cough. So she would cough it all up. And then I would get a suction. He's like, now you're going to take the suction. You're going to get it in her mouth. And and it's not just in the back of your mouth. We would have to go down her throat to get it out. And so one nurse, there was a couple nurses that hated me. And there was a couple nurses that loved me. But I was fighting with them about staying. And they were like, no. And they're bringing like administrative people trying to tell me. And I was like, no. And then this nurse, she had this issue and I did the quad cough. 
we got it up. I suctioned her before the nurse could do anything. And she came back and she was like, you can stay as long as you want. Nice. But, so you had to prove that you could actually do it. Yeah. I, and I was, I would do as much as they would let me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was the only one approved in the hospital that could use the lift to get her in and out of bed. There was no other wow. person that could do it. I mean, I did everything. Yep. But the, those first two days were scary. Not just due to the fact that, hey, she can't, she can't walk. It was like she can't freaking breathe. breathe. Yeah. You yeah. know? So where's your head at? during this Heidi well it wasn't working it was just like just I would just sleep as much as possible and just try and stay calm but really from day one from when my doctor and Logan told me I was paralyzed I never actually accepted the fact that I was paralyzed and still to this day I'm like I'm fine like I'm gonna regain everything and so even that's how it was through the whole hospital stay it was like even my second doctor was like yeah you're gonna live a really good life in your wheelchair I'm like your FOS. <laughs> they do There's- something called the Asia test. And the Asia test is this whole like deal where they basically figure out what your chances are of recovery. And it, it's a tell, like, you know, how receptive you are to pin pricks and all these different things. And they it went It actually that. tells you where your level of injury is. So my level of injury is C5 incomplete. Even, and that's where my C, like my discs are fused. But I can gain two levels below that, which is C7, which means you'll gain like from your chest down instead of from your neck down. And so the Asia test kind of figures out where your recovery is at. But obviously, like he came in and his name's John Frampton. He's our doctor. He actually gave me his personal number and I talked to John all the time. He's like a good friend. I would consider him family <laughs> at this point. Yeah. I call him at 10 o'clock at night sometimes just scared when there's issues and he answers my calls. Not saying anything against John because we freaking love him. But right. she told him, John, um, I want to get my hands back so I can flip you off <laughs> and tell you you're wrong. Because he's the one who did. said that you are yeah. paralyzed. He's the one who said I'll live a really good life oh, in my wheelchair. Gotcha. And I'm like, FOS. Yeah. Full of shit. You're not going to. I'm not. Like, I got four kids and a husband to play with. Like, I can't be in a wheelchair. Yeah. So I'm not. We love you, John, but you you were wrong, dog. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to his credit. They have to. They have to. To his credit, that probably, this is probably the first time that's ever not been right for him. You know what I mean? Like, when you you deal with so many people that that it's, what, what happened to you isn't normal. Well, and no spinal cord injury is two of the same. Yeah. Like, your my body's going to react different than if his was injured because our nerves are going to recreate at different speeds in different ways. Like I still can't feel pain and yeah, but um, what? temperature, but he might be able. You know what I mean? Like nothing at, is at to one the same. Point, something was torn that could no longer make that you know uh, neural connection mm-hmm. to your muscles and your nerves and everything like that. There there was there was a broken line somewhere. You have fused that back together somehow, which is what the hardest part about freaking recovery from any sort of injury like this is, is getting the neurons to fire. Like you got to get this big bundle of wires put back together the right way. And everything has to talk the way that it's supposed to. So I think that's probably a, the fact that you're able to even have that connection to start to heal. But in addition to that, actually connect the wires to the right places and you're able to move this, move that. Like I know you're not fully there yet, but um, and it's so hard to not jump ahead to where you're at right now because right. it's such a miracle. But I think it's really important that we kind of study the process because what you went through. 37 days in the hospital. It, it, it blows my mind because 
I saw you when you got out of the hospital, maybe a couple weeks mm-hmm. and, you know, asked, cause I talked to Marcus and I've heard, talked to family and friends and we'd all had updates, but I didn't, I never received the update that you had never once been down. So when I saw you and I asked you, I was like, so how have you been? You're like, I was sad for like 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, what, 30 minutes a day, 30 seconds. minutes. Yeah. 30 seconds. And, and you're mm. like, no, like one time throughout this whole process. So let's be real. How long was that? What was that like? One day I woke up. It was actually a full day. I think I was sad. Like I woke up one day and it was a Sunday. I think it was because I had no therapy on Sundays in the hospital. You have therapy three hours a day. And, but that Sunday I woke up sad and I knew I could tell I was sad, but I didn't know why. And I just started crying. And my doctor, John, he's like, I was worried that you were going to leave the hospital and never actually let loose, like let it go. He's like, it's actually good that you have. And I just cried that day and I was sad and I was exhausted, but that was it. Like, and ever since then I've been better. Like I've decided to get it out, process it and know life is going to be okay. Even if I am going to be in my wheelchair, like I'm going to live a hell of a good life in my wheelchair if I have to be in it. But there's not been a lot of days where I've been sad. Yeah. There's so been moments. Being in the hospital, it, it's uh, the rehab. So we were on several different floors. First, we were on the ICU floor, which is the initial floor that we went to uh, when she was admitted to the hospital. That's where her surgeries, she was taken from her surgeries, came back to recover. From there, we went to the 11th floor. Do you remember what that floor was called? Yeah, that was pure hell. It was a shitty floor. <laughs> uh, nurses are not very available. Um, there's not definitely the care you get on the ICU floor. But the lady who is over the 12th floor, which is a rehab floor, um, came down. And nicest lady on earth. And she's like, we got to get you out of here. You need to be on the rehab floor. And so she, like, pushed through paperwork and hustled it through and what was it a day later mm-hmm. we went to the 12th floor which is one of the greatest parts of the hospital nurses were fantastic physical therapists occupational therapists and that's like where all the work really begins like what was ICU, the purpose of floor 11 it, it was just kind basically of a space yeah a space they taker, just needed to get me know? out of icu so yeah. someone else could use it but the 12th floor wasn't ready for me yet and so, so it was basically chilling. Yeah, just a room. Yeah. But back to your my like my sad day, I always I always go back to God gave me a second chance at life. So why can I, I and I'm here. I can't be sad. Like I've got a good family and I've got friendships and people around me that I want to have a relationship with that I'm like and I'm here and I can do that no matter if I'm in a chair or not. Like so- I got to ask you this because this drives me me crazy. Um, That mindset, that mentality that you have and that you've had throughout this whole process is like the picture perfect way that every human should deal with trauma Um, for the most part. I mean, it really is kind of like that's if there was a manual on how to do it, that would be it. But almost nobody does it that way. Do you think that's a learned behavior or is that something you're born with? Ooh, I think probably a little bit of both. Because I've learned over the years with like Marcus and Jax getting hurt, like I never went to the negative mindset of like, oh my gosh, my husband's hurt. Oh my gosh, I'm in a panic. It's like, okay, they're hurt. Let's pick up the pieces and figure out what to do next. It's going to be okay. By nature, you tend to be somebody who looks on the bright side. One million percent. She would would scoop up Jax at the track like when 
most moms would be like freaking out if they broke their collarbone, broke their arm, snapped their ACL, which is all things Jax would do. Yeah. Most moms there, when that stuff happens, they're tripping balls. Yeah. yeah. And I stay cool. I usually just scoop them up, take right. them to the van, go to the hospital, and she is just cool as I, a and cucumber. And I want to figure out why you're, you have that superpower because the reason I'm asking is there's a lot of us who are listening who would love to figure out how to handle things better and, and have that, you know, you hear on all the personal development stuff and all these different shows, people talking about having a positive mindset and an abundance mindset, but it, your mindset is partly who you were born as, like what you were given from God. And then the other part of that is what you've been given here in this life and what you've actually, you know, turned into, uh, information that you turn into habits and behavior. So I think you were probably actually, let's dive in a little bit. Were you in you, when you grew up, were your parents similar mindset or did they make big problems out of small things? No, my dad has always been a pretty positive person. And so with my mom too, she always looks to the bright side. Like, oh, that's okay. Like, so so about, I, I learned from them. What about your grandparents? Oh, that's a long time ago. My, but, they were, I think they're positive. Carl D., yes, he was a positive guy. We did, I don't think you really got too much of them. a lot of them in my life. Heidi was always scrappy, though, like in her family. Like, she came after quadruplets. Yeah. And so if Heidi wanted any attention, she had to fight for it. And I think that's always made her a little bit more feisty. Feisty. <laughs> get what she wants. Works hard to get it, you know? So let's say you were born, you know, genetically with a cup half full, right? Just you you were by disposition, you know, had the ability to look on the bright side. I think people are born with different dispositions and things like, things like that. So taking what you were born with and then applying what you've learned throughout your life to be able to actually convince yourself that you're not going to be paralyzed and that everything's going to be okay. That's not, is, was that something you consciously worked on? I still constantly, I constantly work on that still. I always look at my cup half full. It's not half empty because there's too many things in life to be grateful for. Yeah. And my kids and my husband and I mean, even the blue sky outside, you're grateful for it. It's mm. like whatever you want to be grateful for you can be, you just have to look for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that honestly is probably, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the like ground zero, the starting point for anybody's path to joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. Cause there's a lot of people who feel unfulfilled. A lot of people who are trying to figure out what the meaning of this life is and why they're here and how to feel happy and fulfilled. Uh, and we, you know, we watch people, across all different cultures, do all these sorts of different things, trying to chase joy and happiness and fulfillment all the way from, you know, building spaceships and taking private flights to space to submarines that are blowing up in the ocean. Um, <laughs> you, you, you see these people that are chasing, and I know that a lot of these people are happy and fulfilled and satisfied, but I think before you can even start on that journey is, I think that's step one, what you just said was the gratitude thing. It's like, I'm just, I'm glad I have my eyes open this morning and that my lungs are working. I'm you glad have to that choose I stand it. Up. Mm -hmm. You have to choose to want that. Yeah. You can't just be like, "Oh, today's gonna suck," and then wake up and like, "Okay, here's my five things I'm grateful for." Right. Because it's it doesn't work that way. You have to wake up and be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not sore today." Oh my gosh, I slept through the night without 500 spasms. So what you're saying is you got to put in a little bit of work. You do because for sure. And I think some people more than others because, um, like like I said, you were born with more of a positive disposition, so you probably wake up 
feeling just a little bit more invigorated and optimistic towards the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people that don't quite feel that way. And so for them, it's going to be a lot of work. Right. Um, and I think it's a lot of work for two different types of people. It's a lot of work for the people who um, are just beginning um, on their kind of their personal development self-help journey. Um, and then it's a lot of work for people on the opposite end of the spectrum who are balls deep in this and running nonstop and we've got success and crazy schedules. It's really hard when you get on that end to remember um, why you're here and, and what's got you here. And, and um, it's, it's, it's work. You have to consciously be aware of what your thoughts are doing, where they're going and what you're allowing to consume your batteries. I'm going to always go back to that battery thing. You know, look at your phone. You got a hundred percent battery when you start the day. What is, causing that battery to go down. Just time passing, just mm-hmm. being on time, you know, it's going to bring the battery down. But then you start looking at different apps and things that are actually pulling your battery power down. And it's like, holy shit, Instagram drained my battery by 35% today. Well, dude, if it drained your phone battery, guess what? It's definitely draining you because mm-hmm. you're spending time and energy and focusing on it. So it's, it's a matter of budgeting and allocating time where it goes. So honestly, the reason why I'm making such a big deal out of this is because if you don't start there, just don't start. There's no point because you're you're not going to be you're not going to build a solid foundation for success unless you start with just being grateful and just mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> Any chance you get when you find something to be negative, or if there's something positive that can be said about it, make the conscious effort to not say negativity out loud. I, I mean, it honestly is. Seems so dumb, but how many very successful people do you know that complain a lot? Not a lot. How many very successful people do you know that come to you and say, hey, did you hear about blah, blah, blah? It's a superpower watching people just watch bad things brush off their shoulders, you know? Yep. And I'll tell you one thing. I've become hypersensitive to people with disabilities. You know what I mean? Like I used to just see someone in a wheelchair and be like, oh, you know, and not another thought, right? And now with Heidi's injury, it's like, man, I see all these people and I can almost like see some of their struggles. Dude, I used to think that COVID was the worst thing that happened like to our family, you know, just like, oh man, we went broke. It was hard. We had to hustle. And I'm like, man, that, that was hard. And now I look at that, I'm like, that didn't matter at all. And that was so easy. And it was actually some of the best time of our lives because we got to spend, I was so used to traveling, you know, but it's like. Look, if you're having a hard time, like, you know, being grateful, I would encourage you to start being sensitive to other people and looking around you and see what actually people struggle with. And you can see that maybe some of the things that you're worried about really aren't that big of a deal when you can get out of bed in the morning and not have to take five minutes to stand up because the spasms are hitting or waiting for medication to kick in so you can get up, um, happening to be assisted in a lot of different things um being able to yeah i mean i don't know you okay I mean, I don't talk, care. L- look i mean heidi doesn't have her bowels back right everyone sees the positive things and they're like oh it's great this is a miracle you're walking well she still can't use the bathroom on her own yeah. which she needs assistance with so it's like if you're like oh shit my day is so hard and is this and i don't have money look if you can get out of bed and you could go take a number two on your own <laughs> you're doing all right you can start to realize how good things actually are. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. So where I'm going with this is Heidi, you've put in a lot of work 
throughout mm-hmm. this whole process. But, you know, the first step, the first thing that you actually consciously have been doing um, as far as work goes is what we just discussed, which is creating that gratitude and being optimistic and thankful for what you have. So once you're there, then what do you do? Because that doesn't automatically make your feet start moving. No, you get to work. You figure out what you got to do to get your legs moving. And we were so excited when my one toe moved. And we're like, oh, this is great. I have a video of that. I wish yeah. I could show. It's like like we were s- one toe. One toe. It starts with one toe. And that, I mean, like back to your gratitude thing. You just have to be grateful for one little thing. And it just will grow she and grow. She had a feeding tube hanging out of her nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you could see, I have it panned on her foot and her one toe moved. And then you go back and here she is laying in a, in a bed with a feeding tube coming out of her nose with this giant like grin of just pure joy bliss. over one toe moving. And that's what made me excited though. Like, okay, let's go. Let's put, let's get to work. And from day one, they were, they would move my arms for me just to try and wake everything up and then eventually I could move them a little bit. And so you just go straight to work and you put your head down and that's really where you find the joy in the, that sounds so cheesy, joy in the journey. No, this is this, <laughs> this so good friend of ours and a guy that I really look up to, Ed Milet, right? Um, love Ed. He's this, what you guys are saying right now is the perfect description of something that he loves to call blissful dissatisfaction. It's being blissfully dissatisfied, meaning you are pumped and you are, loving life in the moment but you're not satisfied because you know that there's more that you can achieve so you're Mm -hmm. you are okay with not being complacent right in fact you're you're happy about it you you want to continue to push but you're not going to forget where you're at right now and live in the moment and celebrate every little win it's one of the best like sayings i've ever heard my entire life because it really is the recipe for a happy life right being blissfully dissatisfied Keep pushing, but love what you've got. So that's kind of where your procedure, your process in the hospital consisted of just a lot of frustrating days where you couldn't do anything mm-hmm. and a lot of small wins where a toe wiggled and then the foot wiggled and then it just kind of slowly started coming back. And, you know, what's been cool is you guys have shared this journey quite a bit on, on your social media. Um, I and get I, so excited. Like, I know. And I would post it. But everybody who would feel it too. Literally, you know? when you, whenever you would post something like that, oh, yeah, I could, I could feel your energy. I could see you hooting and hollering because, you know, you put it in your, whatever it was, the passion was there and it was palpable. He would even get teary eye. He's like, oh, you moved your tail. Or- Heidi cried twice in this whole process. I probably cry, cried a thousand <laughs> times. I just get excited. I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes, I can do so a squat today. So hers were tears of excitement. Yes. Yours were, yeah. Marcus's were Italian tears. Just kind of Every a time mix of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it started with a toe. And then it was being able to drive an electric wheelchair. Yep. And then were you, were you, I mean, what did you think about the electric wheelchair? I was not about to go home on that thing. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to send her home in an electric wheelchair, <laughs> which means we would need a van that could haul the electric wheelchair. So she says, yeah, I'm not doing that. So where, where'd you go from there? I begged my therapist, Morgan, to get me a manual wheelchair. And I was like, let me just try it. Let me just try it. So I got Under in it. Under her own power. Yeah. And at my level, I'm not supposed to have um, triceps or biceps yet, at least. And so when I got in it, I was so stoked. I was like, Morgan, I got this. And then I, that's when I said, John Frampton, I'm coming for you. Because <laughs> I was like, he's the one who told me no. And I'm like, 
But look, I'm not going home in this manual village. Mind over matter. Like if you want it, if you want it that bad, fight for it because you really can get it. Like you figure it out. It's her wheeling herself through the twelfth floor hallways is like. There's so many things I won't forget, but just, I mean, there's video of it too, and you could just feel like her energy. And uh, it was pretty cool. So it went from that. Do you remember what happened next? No. Sitting on the bedside, and you could wiggle your toes, well, then all of a sudden, you could kick your feet. Oh, that's right. And I, I think it just started with one. Yeah. And then two, you know? Yeah. Every day in the rehab floor, there was an, like I accomplished something. I never thought I'd be able to do my own transfers, where meaning you have a slide board underneath your butt, and you slide on the from the wheelchair to the bed. I never thought I was going to be strong enough to do that. Mm. But then I was like, yep, here we go. Let's figure it out. And so. That's another good point. When she was in the hospital, I would have to, she was complete dead weight. So if I picked Heidi up, she had no ability to help, right? So a lot of times I would just pick her up, put her in the wheelchair, but technically I was supposed to use this lift. I'd have to roll her to a side slide under a sling, roll her back over, slide it to the other side, bring this machine down, hook it up, lift her up out of the bed, push it over, over the bed, down to her wheelchair, use the button like, like a, like a chain lift, you know? Mm -hmm. And eventually she got to the point where she could transfer herself, which was a a pretty big thing. It's huge. Yeah. And what after that? I forgot. The assisted walking in that sling was pretty freaking huge. No, we started with the standing frame because we had to be careful because of my blood pressure. And if my blood pressure tanked, then I was, I say I see Jesus, like I'm lightheaded. So I I have to start in the standing frame. And then we went to the sling in the hallway walking. It's like a harness that they put you in so it can remove some of the body weight. And she used arm walker where her arms were kind of like at a 90 where she could support herself with like her forearms and they took some of her body weight off her right foot at this point didn't move very much so they put what was it, like a, a, hair, a hair net a hair net on her right foot and so she would walk forward with her left foot slide. and then she would slide her thing and that was like a miracle yeah i mean like everybody in the hospital like you, you have every, you have everybody cheering you on like everybody on that floor is cheering you on and Heidi's just walking down the hall and what was it what were you saying to yourself like in that video I say a lot of things to myself. <laughs> a lot of one-liners but she kept was telling herself like she could do it or I can't remember what it was but she was just something about successful Oh, give me some success today. Oh, that yes. She was saying that as she was walking huh. with this in this harness down the hall, like they wanted her to stop. And she's like, no, no, I want to keep going. And she went all the way down till the thing ended. And she kept just saying that, give me some success today. Like almost yelling it, That's which was cool. And I had cool. success. That was great. So cool. Well, I think there's a lesson in that. That's um, self-talk, right? We catch ourselves. Do you catch yourself talking to yourself much? All the time. I mean, I have full-on conversations. Not even just not even out loud, though. More, they can be out loud, out loud, both that and mentally. Do you catch yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've started to become way more aware of it recently. Um, it's growing up. I never really paid attention to it. Be- Actually, that's not true. I just would never allow anything negative to come in. Like I was the, 
I was the kid that believed in the break on their step on a brack or a crack, break your mother's back. I wouldn't step on cracks. And I wasn't even superstitious. I just would not allow anything negative to, to hang out in my head. And I think it was because I was young and scared and things weren't okay in my life because my dad was dying and there was all these like issues. And so I was just trying to control what I could. And so I just learned to not let it like if there was a bad word in a song, I would like somehow come up with a good word to replace it with that it rhymed and that would be the song that I was singing in my head. Um, I just would not allow myself to have any of these like negative and, and you know, uh, bad thoughts. And so I just never really had to pay attention to it. But as I, you get older, I've started catching myself when I get frustrated or something like that, I'll be saying something or I'll, re, I'll be replaying um, an interaction that I had with somebody and I'll start feeling the emotion that I had in that moment. And then I'll start letting that emotion kind of like control the way that I'm acting. And then all of a sudden my mood for the whole day has shifted. And it's because I was, I was allowing myself like to have this weird hypothetical battle in my head of, of, you know, a problem or something that I was dealing with, something that was causing me stress. And, um, I've started to think a lot about like comparing how I was as a kid to how I am now. And I'm like, I think most of my success and most of my, you know, everything that, that, that good that's happened in my life has come because I've not allowed those negative self-talk moments to, to really exist. Um, and when you let them start to sleep, to sneak in, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of obvious. You can catch that stuff. It's not, it's, I think it's, I think we're all so afraid of the subtle negative stuff, you know, self-talk that we can't really control. I don't believe that if you're hearing or having a conversation in your head, whether you're feeling a negative emotion about something or whether you're actually, you know, physically talking to yourself, like oh, I'm such an idiot, that's the sort of thing. Like even something that dumb, dude, it, it makes a big difference. That's more powerful than any medicine, in my opinion. I wish I can, I, and I need to go back and like make Heidi self-talk real or something because there's so many like, I mean, she literally will talk herself through therapy and sometimes it's loud and it makes a lot of people laugh, but she'll say things like one more, one more, one more. And what were some of the other things that you said? I mean, dude, there's oh, I a whole know. list of them, but it was all positive and basically like coaching herself as she's like going through this therapy that was like sometimes super difficult, but she was always just like coaching herself through the whole thing. Yep. This, this, um, okay. So do you guys remember the, have you heard of the experiment where uh, a scientist basically was taking snowflakes and having them develop from water into a snowflake and with each snowflake, he would put like classical music or rock and roll or different types of music. Have you heard this experiment? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. It's pretty wild because I always thought it was like an urban legend. I think it's true. Wait, hold on. It says urban legend right there. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, the vibrations from the music make it form differently. I've seen it too. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna solve this once and for all. Don't dig too deep. Don't find out that's an urban legend. Doing this. Like when you talk to the rice, and if you, you get two jars of rice, and you talk nice to one, and you talk bad to the other one, the black, the bad one you talk to, actually turns black. Really? And the the one you talk positive to, actually stays I'm white. Try that. Maybe you should stop calling your right hand little bitch then. <laughs> <laughs> little bitch, she's fine. Yeah, I think that snowflake story we've always heard was true, but it didn't tell the whole thing. 
It says we he, need to do our own stuff. He, he like, then concludes that classical music makes beautiful crystals while rock and roll makes ugly ones. What he does not show us is that both musical treatments made the same numbers of beautiful and ugly crystals. The treatments actually had no effect. So self-talk is nothing like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Self-talk is good. I, I honestly believe that um, step two, if we're given checklist items tonight, is check, you know, step one, gratitude. Find a way to be really, really grateful mm-hmm. and like be nitty gritty about it. Be grateful for the bowl of cereal you had. Like you have all these dumb little, and where I'm going with this is the dumber it seems, it's probably more something that you take for granted even more. And that may not be a regular thing that some people and, you know, not even just this world anymore. Even this country has areas where man, people aren't doing too well. You know, they're struggling. And so uh, find a way to be grateful for big and little things, but make a real conscious effort. And to do that, you got to come up with some sort of routine. So morning routines are easy because you remember it, you pop out of bed. It's, it's, it's just something you remember to do. So step out of bed, five things you're grateful for. Sounds so dumb. Sounds so cheesy. Sounds like something you'd see like some Utah housewife mom put on the wall in vinyl decals. Maybe that's what we should do. I'm sorry, Utah housewife moms. That meant that's that was non-binary. That's Utah apply, County mom. To, yes, Utah County for sure. But we don't um, live in Utah County. You're, you're a Utah County mom. Uh-uh, we, Shh, stop. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, so, no, it is uh, five things to be grateful for. Wake up, figure it out. Um, write them down, maybe. That'd be a good thing. Or have, have five that you you know, cycle through one week and then the next week have another five. Just, uh, I can't express how important that is. Literally, dude, if you start your day by thinking of, man, I'm so glad that I have a car to drive to work instead of looking at your phone and being like, why the hell is hands calling me and texting me already? Well, you know, it's that little change right there for me can completely change my whole day and it'll determine which direction my day ends up going. So that's a big one. Number two, Let's um, positive self talk. Let's not. No, I don't even want to do it like that. I'd say conduct a thorough investigation of your own self talk. Go go run a go run some some surveys in your head, and pay attention as you're talking and as you're having these moments where you're self talk and self thinking and 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 reflecting and that kind of self thinking, self thinking <laughs> reflecting. Yeah. It's a thing. Um, but go go pay attention to it. I actually had a. I went and saw a hypnotist once. He was on the show before, Mike. Um, can't remember Mike's last name, Mike Simpson. Um, but he, I went and visited with him once, uh, and he he told me a really valuable thing, and it was um, throughout the day, keep track of all my anxiety. Didn't I tell you this? Didn't we talk about this. Uh, Maybe you, you keep track of all the different thoughts. You put them up on the, put shelf. Them on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. So you find that whatever thoughts are coming coming across, whether they're good, bad, whatever. If you catch yourself thinking things over and over. Grab them and and acknowledge them and then put them on a shelf. No judgment. I got a lot of shelves. Heidi actually helped me with that too. It's huge. I got a bunch of shelves, stuff shelved. Compartmentalizing. You got to be able to do it. Otherwise, you can't function. I'm the same way. So go go take an inventory of your thoughts and how you're talking to yourself, especially. Especially if you talk to yourself out loud like Heidi. Then you want to be real. (laughs) Luckily, that should be the easiest ones to catch. Um, But I'm saying that sometimes... Sometimes it's not as obvious as, as we might think it is. So we got to spend a little bit of time kind of focusing on like catching ourselves. Okay. So it's more work mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So that's, that's checklist item number two. And the real, only reason I'm giving these checklist items is because they literally took you from a wheelchair to walking. So, right. um, what happened after you, you, you're growing, you're, you're healing, you're doing better. You've got, you've achieved a ton of, you know, 
um, growth, mm-hmm. but you're not there yet. Oh, no. I got the big stuff, like my legs, but keep in mind, I don't feel my legs. I feel the pressure, but I don't feel temperature or pain. So, I mean, yes, I have my legs, but I don't have a lot of other things. I don't have my balance I'm working on. I don't have my muscles, like my hip flexor on one side works and not on the other. So there's a lot of things still to this day that I go to therapy for one to three hours a day to work on every single day. So coming home, you should probably talk about coming home and then NeuroWorks. Oh, so coming home, we came home at day 37, was in my wheelchair. Um, shortly after that, we went and visited. Came home to a house that was had been built up for wheelchairs. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> me, I'm like, look, I believe in Heidi, but I'm not going to make her struggle or suffer with anything. So, I had a lot of friends jump in. Devin Dyer ordered immediately a wheelchair lift for our back deck because we're split level. So, he ordered that. And then his brother... Actually, they said that the wheelchair lift wouldn't work with our deck, that it was too sketchy. So Devin's brother tore down the deck and built us a brand new deck. Heidi's dad widened three doors because there are very specific requirements that we needed to even just get her home. Uh, He completely remodeled our bathroom uh, for a zero-entry shower with handrails. Uh, We had to have like a, I think it was like a 56 inch diameter area for her to be able to turn her wheelchair in. Um, Ryan Hendrickson um, brought in a a vanity that her wheelchair can roll under. Um, um, uh, This this is the worst part. Trying to remember. Tile Ram. Our buddies at Tile Ram, which is a company out of Highland, Utah, came in. We couldn't have carpet in the house because she had to be able to wheel herself. They completely tore out our whole main living area, took out all of the carpet and replaced it with hardwood floor. Uh, and th- this is all a hundred percent donated. Oh, wow. Which is like, for me, I mean, it's like kind of embarrassing to say, you know, like I didn't ask people to do this. It was just people jumping in and wanting to help and making sure that she would be comfortable when she came home. Her dad and her uncle Greg spent, I don't know, three weeks almost from the time that she was injured, remodeling our house. And we just had so many pitch it, people come in. So when the occupational therapist came to our house to inspect it to make sure she was ready, it was fully, fully ready. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I it, again, is not me, like, doubting that she would get better. But I'm like, look, people are like, well, what if she starts walking again? Are, are you going to be, like, pissed you spent on that money? Because we paid for materials and everything like that, right? But I was like, no. If it helps her for two weeks, I will spend whatever money it takes so that she can, you know, be as comfortable as she possibly can. And that bathroom has been an absolute saving grace. Absolutely. The hardwood floors being her being able to get around. I mean, everything is even to this day, it's been worth it to do, you know, but you came home. I did come home. And then we went to NeuroWorks, and I have been there every day since, working three to five or one to three hours a day. And then I go to the movement clinic, and I sit in the hyperbaric chamber and get stretched. So my days are full of therapies. Where they have you doing at NeuroWorks? NeuroWorks is where they do my OT, occupational therapist, and 
physical therapist, and then I also work with a personal trainer there to help try and rebuild all the muscle I've lost. And it's a slow process, but it's it's so coming. Heidi's like skips over things that oh. makes her sound like a superhero because she is. Most people go to NeuroWorks for two times a week for maybe one or two hours a day. Heidi goes to NeuroWorks five days a week from one and most of the time, three hours a day. Wow. And the one thing that you, you'll realize with this whole thing, and the one thing I do have the problem with when doctors tell people, hey, you're going to be in a wheelchair, is I think people accept that in their head, mm -hmm. and they potentially could get better, and they could push if they change their mentality and they worked for it, but they just accept that. No, I'm going to be in a wheelchair, no need for therapy. Well, then when you get out of the hospital, guess what insurance tells you? Hey, you have 20 days to get better that we're going to pay for you to figure this therapy out. Mm -hmm. So we're going to cover you for 20, 20 different sessions, which ultimately comes down to 10 if you're doing occupational and physical therapy. So basically you have 10 therapy sessions to get better and then we're done paying. And you know what people do? Unfortunately, they're like, well, that's the case and that's what it is, right? So we went to NeuroWorks and the owner, Jan, who is like a saint, mm -hmm. um, she came to us and she says, look, I don't tell people, I don't tell everybody this, but Marcus, your wife's going to walk again. Nice. And she's like, she needs to be here five days a week. And Heidi was like, let's go. Cause she just wants to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of donations, like Heidi's friends started this Venmo thing, which again, for me, man, if it was me, I would have <laughs> said, no, I'll figure it out on my own. I'm not worried about it. Whereas my wife, I had to like, kind of like, Humble yourself. Bury my pride and be like, I need to give her the absolute best chance of recovering, getting better, and getting any help that we possibly can. So people were very generous and donated funds for therapy and for recovery and for figuring out her life. And then Brian Green, you guys came and did your thing and helped us at the moto race. We put on a big race where we put on a good event for people to come to, but that money, everybody donated their time and the track and everything else. And that money went straight to NeuroWorks so that Heidi could go to therapy. Five days of therapy. But that, you know, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. her, her mentality was, is like, put me to work. It was never like, which is an awesome. Yeah. You said that about, uh, the doctor saying you're not going to walk again, that that's a bad thing for some people men mentally. I think that works so perfect with for her. her attitude because she's not someone that's going to let mm -hmm. somebody else set her limits. 100%. So yeah, it, it's probably like half and half. It probably really hurts some people, but it also kicks people into gear and helping them walk again. Yeah, yeah. I didn't accept it. I wanted to walk, yeah, you don't and I knew, and I knew I would. Like in my mind, I said that from the very beginning. I'm like, I'll walk in here and flip you off hmm. and you, tell you I love you. You did that already, right? Well, we went to the twelfth floor and he wasn't there, so I got to make another visit. <laughs> flip, flip me off with that little bitch. Little bitch can't flip. Oh, this one can. She was actually moving. There might be a new machine I need to try. We the we just got machine? hooked up with. I don't even yeah, know what it's called. Machine. It's called the newbie. This dude came with this direct current electronic. Oh, that's right. Anyways, her hand hardly moved at all, and he did one therapy session with it. And show show the camera. Look at the camera and show him. Look. How much your hand moves? Little bitch is moving. That's, that one didn't session. happen last week. One session. What's it called? Uh, the the newbie. newbie. 
We're going to fly to Austin, Texas, where they make this machine, potentially buy or lease one. And, and, and maybe through NeuroWorks, getting them set up with it because oh, yeah. we're pretty pretty certain that it's going to help. What does it do? How's it work? Okay, so you have these sticky pads, but first you have to find your hot spots, it's called. And so he puts a pad in water, mm-hmm. and he, roll, oops, he rolls it over your body, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can feel it there. And then on the other spots, you can't feel it. So that's called a hot spot. And so he puts it on there, and then you work through the muscle, like, it tightened and made my hand, like, all cockeyed. Yeah. And then you just have to work through it. And it's supposed to, what it is, is wake up those pathways that are blocked. And it's supposed to help send the nerves the signals down. signals that it's supposed to be Electronic, <laughs> like electrical current through your nerves. And then where it has the disconnect. Mm-hmm. You're, you're it's communicating. To it. What's cool. connect, connecting your brain to those nerves. Saying, oh, it's okay to go through these. Like, mm-hmm. it's all a big old... I'm gonna go to Texas. Yeah, but it's gonna be good. We're really, really pumped on that. That's kind of like the newest thing. But NeuroWorks is—it's my safe place. It's mm-hmm. like my like. But my cute therapist Emily, she, or not Emily, Emma. Emma. She tells me because I'm going down to four days a week, and I wasn't very happy. She's like, "You need to go find yourself again." So there's a spot where it's like, okay, you're comfortable and in your safe place, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make all this progress." But now, guess what? You got to face the real world, uh, and you have to figure out who you are again. Outside of therapy. outside of therapy, because that's my safe place. I'll go mm-hmm. there. I'll talk to everybody. I've got friends there. I actually call myself the mayor of NeuroWorks because mm-hmm. I love it so much. But now she's like, "Hey, I got to cut you back." Not that I don't think you need to be here or you have to be here, but you need to go find yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of a scary thought. Once you get to that point, you're like, "Oh boy, here we go," because I'm not the Heidi I was seven months ago. Getting out of your comfort zone. I'm out of my comfort zone. I have to learn how to do a totally different type of workout by myself now. And it's like, ooh, that's kind of scary. NeuroWorks is, if anyone has had any kind of spinal cord injury, any neurological injury, and you're in the state of Utah or any of the surrounding states, there's people that come from other states, Mm -hmm. NeuroWorks is the place you need to get to. There was another kid, I don't even know how I follow him on Instagram, Tyler Graham. We're good buddies with him now. He was injured a year ago or so in a basketball accident, and I remember, I don't know this kid, and Tyler, if I do know you, I've apologize i can't remember how i know you uh anyways i saw his post when he first went down mm-hmm. and it was so sad like it, he because he kind of documented this journey pretty well um and i just remember being like oh that poor guy i snowmobile all the time like I, it was a moment where i was like i should be a little more careful and grateful it was a big eye-opening moment and then i start watching this guy's journey on instagram somehow and he's recovering at the same place you are and you guys actually work out together? Or did yeah, we yeah. did a partner workout. It was hilarious. He went from paralyzed to moving again. Right? Yeah. Yep. He's walking. He drives himself to therapy. He works. He works. He's got a construction company to build custom homes cool. up in uh, Heber uh, Midway area. But he also still has a lot of challenges with spasms and, and things. He actually has a lot of nerve pain. Mm-hmm. Oh. But he's a great guy and also one of the most hardworking dudes at NeuroWorks. But... NeuroWorks, I would attribute a lot of this Heidi's success to a lot of the therapists there, to Jan, um, to all of the people that have been working with her because I don't think without NeuroWorks. When, when we got out of the hospital, Heidi came home and our insurance sent us rehab without walls. Maybe <laughs> I shouldn't say their name. But they sent, them, they sent therapists to your home to work with you in home. 
And their goal is to get you comfortable, you know, in your wheelchair and to learn how to cook in a wheelchair and to will you, you know, find yourself in the bathroom and how to, you know, fix your hair and how to get yourself dressed. And we're like, look, we don't want to do this shit. Heidi wants to walk. And finally we, we had to cut it off and we're like, no, no more. And when we go to NeuroWorks, it's like, we're going to push you until you walk again. We're going to get you walking. We're going to, we're going to do everything we possibly can. And you can feel the difference in how much they care and how like passionate they are about like helping people with these like disabilities and like work on it. It's like, it's, I can't explain it, but like there's a special, special feeling at NeuroWorks. Yeah, I agree. And, and they have, they've got Heidi walking. She, she was walking in that assisted like lift thing with uh, Walker in the hospital from NeuroWorks. They got her walking with a walker, then with hand walking canes down to one cane, now to no cane. No canes. No cane. So Most of the time. Most of the time. You have your good and bad days, you yep. know. Um, but also from that too, something that's super gnarly is in the hospital, they let Heidi, they have, what's it, Wasatch Adaptive Sports. They brought like a trike with a hand trike and they, she was like the closest to her injury that they let someone go out and ride one of those bikes. And she did that at the hospital, which like everybody was blown away that she could do it. Well, then she went from that to, they came back to NeuroWorks and she was able to do a pedaled trike with her legs and she was powering it with her legs to like a few weeks ago, Heidi got back on a bicycle with two wheels and rode a freaking bicycle at NeuroWorks. That's so cool. Good things are coming. I, I can't say enough good things and like, I feel indebted and will do anything I can to help NeuroWorks because they really, I have a hard time with miracle and just being honest, like everyone's like, Oh, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. I'm like, no miracle is when people get up and walk instantly or you're dead and you freaking wake up or you're blind and all of a sudden you can see. And this is some of the things that I've just honestly got on the shelf and I got to work out and figure out, you know, because I attribute a lot of the success to Heidi's hard work and her, her determination and her hustle. And honestly, if there's miracles, like the people at NeuroWorks are the ones working the miracles. I mean, what is a miracle, right? A miracle could be something totally different to you than it is to me. Um, I think miracles are important for people to be able to believe in and be able to have because it gives us faith that it could happen again. Yeah, And, and that's all part of the positive mindset and you know positive self-talk is like actually believing that good things can happen to you um whether they be in the form of just you know hard work pays off or holy shit i'm walking again when i shouldn't be like there's there's it's important to be able to have that and it's important to be able to find things to look forward to and i think that's actually one thing that kind of where this conversation would go next is You've achieved what you've achieved, but what do you have to look forward to? What what types of and talk to me about the different procedures and clinics and treatments? Because now that you're in this world, you guys are probably googling the shit out of it, trying to figure out the best of the best. So, what are you excited about, and what's next? What's next? I actually really am excited about getting my balance back, where I don't have to always be like cautious about what I'm doing. It's the simple things in life. I'm excited to hopefully one day cook again for my family, like. Those are, back again, the little things I'm super stoked so about. So walk me through, to get your balance back, do you just basically have to start a square one with balance exercises? Yes. And just, 
I have to stand Your on body the body has to learn how to balance all over again. Yeah. If I close my eyes, I can't stand up straight. Yeah. I'll tip over. If I stand staggered foot, I fall over. So it's just learning. Your body has to learn how to do that all over again. So yeah, I'm walking. I don't have my balance. I don't have, what else do I not have? Uh, my bowels. I can't do back. my own hair. Like there's a lot of things. Your right hand, we hope. There's a lot better, of things. Super positive about now, you know. Are there any treatments or procedures you guys are looking at that you love to do? The newbie one. The new, I would love the to touches. go to Austin and figure out who these doctors are. Who was the guy that did it to you? So he's my brother's nephew, basically, and he went to Texas because he had a lot of injuries for, through football, and he learned about this through his uncle. Him and his uncle flew to Texas, learned about it. And they were going to sell it, but then didn't sell it. So he has the machine. It's like 20 grand, this machine. And they're one of the only people in Utah that own one. And so you have to go to Texas, get trained, either figure out a protocol of what it will be like, and then come home and do it and just do Zoom calls or go there frequently. That's like our next big thing. You can't use the one that's here? So it's a weird situation that's owned between like three different people, and they use it quite a bit. And frankly, we just... Don't want to be mean, a burden he, to he's others. Been awesome, and and we'll probably do a couple more with them. But I mean, if it with that one time woke her hand up that much, yeah. I mean, it can work on her legs. It can work on firing her other muscles and nerves, and and so we're either going to buy one, we're either going to lease one. Hopefully, what I I'd like to do. I got some jumper cables and some sponges. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's get this party started. It might be a little experimental. That's fine. You might kill me on that one. But no. I'd like to try to get a machine to NeuroWorks. And so we're going to work with Jan. And whether we find the funds to pay for it, if I pay for it, whatever happens, I'd like to get it to NeuroWorks so that they're trained on it and they can use it on Heidi and they can use it on other people. Yeah. But that's like the super exciting. But also Heidi has another major goal for September. Yeah. That's I'm going to do thing. a ta- a 10K up the mountain. I'm walking it. When? Nice. Except the first weekend in September. A 10K. Called Mamale Mountains. You ever heard of this like fitness influencer Mamale? What's her name? Uh, Andrea. Andrea. I do this event for It's an all women's event. She put it on. I've done it for two years now. Super cool event down in Kanab. Super crazy scenery, but it's a 10K through this Kanab Mountains. It's like a gnarly seven-mile hike. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, I'm going to do it. It's kind of a run, but a lot of the, the girls just walk it and hike it. And Heidi's made that her goal. Like, that's her comeback. That's like, awesome. you know, what well, she's training do, for. I'm going to do something on my year mark, but I don't know what that is yet. But my big goal for this year. So well, you go water skiing on your year mark. Well, they have adaptive. I can go do adaptive skiing, but I had to be a year. I actually begged to do that this last summer. They wouldn't let me. What's well, adaptive skiing? Mm-hmm. It's a sitting position. Um, they basically have you on this board where you're basically sitting. Basically, you can't tip over. Oh. And then there's like a therapist in the water. They'll get you started and they whip you around like a private lake. Yeah, no, I'm talking about like you on a slalom. Just you. I don't they, know if you could do that before, yeah. dude. I could do that before. Yeah. Okay, let's surf. How about I surf okay. behind the boat? All right. You yeah. can be there. Yeah. It will be actually your boat. It'll be my boat. We'll okay. be surfing. We'll be surfing. That's we'll do year. it. Okay, I'm down for that. June year, 3rd, mark it. But all of her girlfriends have signed up for it. It's a huge thing. Uh, she, I asked Jan, the owner, like, hey, is this a, like a realistic goal? And she's like, absolutely. She trains in the pool. So the pool they have at NeuroWorks, 
Um, it raises up, raises down. It's a treadmill on the bottom. So Dale, the other uh, owner and founder of NeuroWorks, is basically in the same position Heidi is. He he broke his neck on a trampoline. I don't know how many years ago, but he actually ran a marathon in the pool. That was wow. his big goal. Jeez. So inside the pool where it, it relieves some of your body weight and takes some of the stress off your joints, but he legit ran a full marathon inside the pool. That's pretty incredible. So his Heidi's thing is, you know, the 10K through the mountains, which will be super challenging, but yeah, it's what she set her mind to. We'll do it. You I can mean, come along for the ride. You've been growing, I don't see that being a challenge. To be honest with you. Nope. Jan just said walk with walking sticks and you'll be fine. All right. Let's do it. We got this. So you guys have four kids. How has this affected the kids? Oh, man, they're freaking troopers. They, KK, my youngest, who's eight, from the very beginning, she's always said, oh, my mom's fine. She's just in a wheelchair for a minute. <laughs> and she was right. Uh-huh. I was just in it for a minute. But my kids, London, stepped up. Jax, <laughs> Jax has been fine. He's like, eh, it's mom. She'll be fine. Frankly, but, you got spoiled for, from everybody. Yeah. While we were in the hospital. We, we had a, a lot of good friends I was in the hospital every single day. I never miss. There was never a day that I didn't go and spend all day there. And so we had friends that would rotate days every single day. So every single day our kids were with somebody and they generally took them out and took them to get food and activities. And and a lot of them have their own pools. And so they would swim and they would do all the fun things. It made it great for the hospital. I think it, it really helped them like be okay while I was gone and she was gone. Yeah. But London, um, I mean, dude, you never realize how much your wife does until she's not able to do it. Keeping up on dishes and food and running kids to guitar and to soccer and to motocross training and picking up from school and taking to school, you know, all these different things. You don't realize how much your wife does. Laundry has been a freaking battle and 90% of that is London her oldest daughter wow she's 15 years old and she basically does the laundry for our family so I mean our kids never complain Mm -hmm. they don't get upset they just jump in and help and I think it helps too that I didn't have a brain injury with it a lot of people who have spinal cord injuries also have a brain injury and that aren't all there and at least I'm all there. And so they can at least talk to me and feel like I'm still their mom. Oh, you're still mom. Just 100%. With a little bit of a disability for a minute. That's all. But <laughs> Kids are great, man. Kids are good. We were really, I don't know, I don't know why they are or why they're not, but our kids have always been awesome. And through this whole deal ordeal, they've been super strong. That's uh I had this totally off topic, but I had the funniest experience with Jax the other night <laughs> on New Year's. Um, Did he say shit or something? <laughs> no, dude, I was I was leaving, and I, everybody was inside still, and he was out walking in. He was being super helpful with the fireworks. He was, like, super, like, you could tell he was, like, broing down with me a little bit, and it was kind of cool because Jack's, Jack's never been a bro. He's always been your just little kid, but now he's, like, a teenager kind of. So, anyways, um, I'm leaving. I'm like, all right, Jack, see you later, buddy. And he's like, all right, man, we'll, we'll see you later. <laughs> Dave? <laughs> he, was, he wasn't sure if he was supposed to call me like Heavy D because he went to go call me Heavy D. But then he said Dave? Like the question mark was like, yeah. he was like, 
I don't know if he's asking <laughs> me the question or himself, but I just kept walking and let him let he's him just kind of simmer it. But yeah, he's hilarious. Um, yeah, you guys do have good kids, and you've had one thing that I remember. I think I don't know if we talked about this on one of the episodes or not yet, but you and I were on the phone talking, and I was talking about you know you receiving help or you know donations or anything like that, and you just were like, no, 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 I don't want it. And like very, uh, very you know, do-it-yourself type of guy. Um, and we talked about why it's important that it actually happened, whether you feel comfortable with it or not, and it's because you got to let people show that they care, right? Like this is, you have so many people who do care, and they don't know how to help you, or they don't know how to make your pain go away, but they want to do something. And so um, you guys have seen help in a million different ways. Uh, everything from straight donations to people watching your kids to people just doing th- stuff that I think you guys have told me some stories about people stepping up to do stuff where it's just like, man, like where, where mm-hmm. do you even come up with this kind of like generosity of this type of type of thoughtfulness? So that's been huge for you guys. Has it, has it, have you started to accept that a little bit better, Marcus? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I, I think we mentioned this in the last one, but I had a buddy who organized like a, it was at a motocross race. It wasn't the one that we did to raise money for Heidi, but he did like a, a drive, like where people bring their own gear, old gear. And then people were like, Oh, I need a pair of boots. Those will fit my son. And they would buy the gear. Everybody donated the gear. And so he was just walking. It was really awkward at first. He kept walking. him, just handing me money. Right. Like here, these sold. Hey dude, we got more here. And I'm like, Oh dude, I hate this. I hate it. I don't want to be that guy. I'll figure it out. You know, I'm like, I'll sell everything I own. I mean, I'll, whatever, you know? And I looked at him, I'm like, dude, I just, I just hate charity. Like, I don't want to be a charity case. And he looked at me, he's like, Marcus, it's not charity, it's community. And we're a part of your community. Yeah. And that kind of changed my outlook for it. And frankly, I couldn't have done all this, man. I couldn't have. I w- really wish I could have. And I wish I could say, hey, no, I did it all on my own, right? But what people need to look at is when they see the videos and the reason why I'm so like proactive at posting these videos of Heidi walking, riding a bike, jogging in the pool, jogging on the treadmill. I mean, all these things is because I want people to see the people who do donate the money, their money's paying for her chair or for her, her therapy. They have, they have claim in that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want people to feel that when she's running and making these accomplishments and the people that are watching my kids so I could be there with her in the hospital, they can be like, oh, I, I, I'm a part of that, right? I want people to feel like when they bring us meals and so that I could focus on taking care of Heidi or when they're taking her kids or when they're cleaning our house or when they built all these things, it's like, oh, she's doing better. And I, I helped. Yeah, everybody I, likes to I see their investments that. grow. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it wasn't me. It wasn't it, it wasn't all these things. It's like people have claim in that. The people yeah. came to that motocross event who've been paying that motocross event has been paying for therapy since. Right. They they get claim in that, man. Right. It's it's all of us and like it wasn't just uh, me and Heidi. It wasn't just Heidi. It wasn't just me like financially paying for it. It's like we have a huge, massive community. And frankly, I couldn't have done it by myself. So it's been very humbling. It's I've had to kill a lot of pride, but I would. <sighs> there's more tears, but like if it was me, I wouldn't have accepted anything. Right. But 
for Heidi, I would do anything. Right. I would do anything. And that was accepting help and it's paid off. And she is where she is because of our community. This has rocked your world. Like <laughs> rocked your world in so many different ways. And I've, as you know, your best friend, I've sat here and I've watched it and you know, Heidi's your best friend, your wife and the, you know, closest person in the entire world. She's watched it. I mean, this is uh it doesn't just affect you, Heidi. This, mm -hmm. this, this has a ripple effect for good and bad. Um, right. And taking care of somebody is hard. I remember when my dad came home from uh, when he was going to die. He came home from hospice because we knew that it was just a matter of time. Dude, that sucks. Every single day, check it. Like watching this person who used to be like my, like I, he was my everything. I looked up to this guy. He was like my world. And he was Superman. To now he's just stuck on this bed and just can't move, can't help himself. And it's so exhausting. So where I'm going with that is uh, anybody who's taking care of somebody has a small idea of what you've gone through. But then you add on top of that taking care of kids. And then you add on top of that uh, being the breadwinner. And it's a, it's a lot, man. So, you know, we talked about uh, a few episodes back about therapy and stuff like that. Um, and you and I have spoken since then. And I hope you don't mind if I share this, but... Uh, after that episode, when we talked about therapy, pulled Marcus pulled me aside and, and just kind of started talking. And Marcus is not one to talk at all to anyone ever because he doesn't want to burden anybody with his problems and just, you know, keep everybody figure your own shit out. It's kind of Marcus's way he goes through life. Um, but you got a chance to talk for you and I sat and chatted for 20, 30 minutes. What did that feel like? I'm curious. It's good, man, because I don't tell Heidi. He Heidi's learning how to rewalk, and re you know, she's got so many things that I'm not going to say. Hey, I feel sad. Right. I feel bad today. You know what I mean? I don't burden her with anything that I'm feeling. I just figure it out, right? But frankly, there's not a lot of people I can talk to. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, my best friend is is. And the person I spend most time in the world with besides Heidi is my 12 year old son, you know, again, not someone that you put weight on to or talk man. to, you know? And so, yeah, when I talked to you, it was like one of the first times I could just be like, ah, here's what I'm dealing with. Right. You know, and it felt good to, to let it out, you know what I mean? And talk to someone and say it out loud and not just have all those things on the shelf because, yeah. you know, there's a few things on the shelf. You don't know until you experience it either. You don't You don't understand. You hear people talk about, like, how, how good it feels to get things off your chest and to talk to people. But until you've experienced it in a moment like that, there's no way to, there's no way to explain it. It's just something you got to feel. So, again, that's encouraging anybody who may be reluctant to express your feelings. I know it feels unnatural. I hate it. It's the worst. But once you get into it and you let a little bit out, it can relieve a pretty heavy load, right? It's, you know, the, the teapot has to boil over every once in a while and it's perfectly normal. And it's something that, uh, we should normalize even more, especially with men. Uh, men's mental health is just kind of like buck up and figure it out. Like that's, that's kind of the way that, that it's been, you know, we've all approached it, um, for generations. And I think we got it from our parents, who knows, but it's just like, men don't really talk about it that much, but it, we're all dealing with it. We're all, ha we're all going through something. Um, and so it's just 
take the time and figure out a way to talk to somebody about it. Whether, you know, we've talked about the, the, in fact, I've talked to my family a bunch about this at Christmas because they listened to that episode about therapy. And my sister Alicia is super passionate about, you know, therapy and, and helping people heal, especially like, um, you know, uh, in different people of different social classes. So she, she, she loves finding a way to, to help people find the help that they need. And we were talking about therapy and she's like, uh, my mom brought it up. She's like, she's like, therapy is like, you know, um, not a lot, not everybody can afford it. And we were talking about all the different types of therapy for like better help and, and these different things. And it's true. Um, I never view, you know, 60 bucks a week as something that most people can't afford, but there are people that, that look at it and it's like, maybe that is a little bit out of, out of your budget. Uh, when I was growing up, my parents could have never afforded that kind of money. Um, so what are your options outside of that? You know, friends you've got, but what, how do you approach a friend when you're struggling, when you're not used to talking to people about your feelings? How do you do that? I don't know. I think it's just finding it's odd, man. Cause you know, we don't, get to hang out all the time and that's frankly the only reason why i do this podcast is because i like hanging out with you and i like being able to catch up and i live down south and you live up north and you know sometimes it's hard to connect right but oddly you're always the one guy that when i have issues i can talk to right and i think it's just finding that person that you do feel comfortable talking to yeah you know like if there's a lot of people like they're like hey man how you doing i'm like i'm fine right you know and there's you got to find the person that and they say, hey, man, how you doing? And you're like, hmm, I don't know. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So you see the value in it, and you're gonna, it's something that you're going to continue to figure out how to do. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't know I'm to the point where I need therapy. Maybe I could benefit from it. But, I mean, just talking to you and letting a couple things out. And I've had, I've, I don't like to, but I've broken down to Heidi a couple times now. And Let's talk about that, though, because there's an interesting dynamic there. Because in your world, you're burdening her and that's a, like your whole duty in this world is to make her life better and not to make it more difficult absolutely however there's another you know you got an equal partner over here who has a say and a vote and it's like Heidi you you see this a mm -hmm. woman's intuition can pick up on this shit 10 you know months before it even happens to us like right. you you know you know what the man's feeling and so it, it, it do you feel like he owes that to you? Or do you feel like that is something that your relationship needs? He doesn't owe it to me, but I can just ask a couple little questions and it will come out. So it's like a, eventually he will open up and he'll communicate a small part right. because he doesn't want to burden me. But I don't think he owes it to me to because he knows what I'm going through. But at the same time, I would like to know what he's going through, but he has to let me in. It's not going to burden you. Do you think it's going to weigh you down the way that he thinks it is? No, absolutely not. I, I agree with that. Absolutely not. Because I think that you, where you lack right now is physical strength, be able to do things for yourselves, but you you have this surplus of mental capacity. Mm -hmm. In fact, you probably have more than you normally did because before you were moving and shaking so much and now you're kind of stuck in your own skin a little bit, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, we talked about going back to the real world. So you've got got some bandwidth is what I guess is what I'm I saying. would love him to open up and be like and he's gotten better now that I'm a little bit down the road right before he was super closed off but he's getting better and I can read on his I wouldn't say closed off yet. I just okay didn't want a burden he was cautious he was cautious but he's got to also realize that I'm his equal partner yeah. like you said and I'm here for him and of course I want to know what he's feeling right 
And he should be able to communicate those to me. You know, like in our, in our say culture, in our religion, they, we put a lot of like emphasis on like the man of the house being like the strong one, you know, the priesthood holder who guides the family. And I've just never been able to like fully be that. And I'll be honest, like Heidi has always been the strong one in our family. She's always been the one that like is the rock and that we lean on, you know? And like when kids have questions or or they want to know something, a lot of times I defer to Heidi because like she's the strong one, right? I'm emotional. You know what I mean? Like I, like Heidi is like the strong one of our family. And so it like, it's hard like when she, when I do see her struggle, it's like for me to like feel like I'm going to add to that. I'm like, man, that you're I'm not like, adding to it. That's I know. a thing. And, yeah. and we've been able to talk and I don't want it to feel like I don't say anything to her because right. I've had my fair share of breakdowns and you know, it feels, it feels weird when your wife's laying in bed and with all the struggles and she's comforting you, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard for me. I don't want to, I don't want to add to that and I don't want to be weak for her you know but she but can I don't definitely see it as a weakness she can definitely feel it when i'm struggling and there's been things outside of heidi's injury that i've struggled with lately and you know i open up to her and she again is a strong one and gives me guidance yeah so and i think this is kind of a big case of we can help each other's weaknesses become strengths mm-hmm. and uh I've, it's been cool to watch you guys open up and and you know watch you especially Marcus open up and feel like it's okay to talk and okay to feel and and you don't have to you don't have to take it all by it yourself seems, it seems stupid to talk about For sure. me and like what I deal with when you know when you're talk when I sit next to someone who's had so much taken away right do you know what I mean yep so that's where that's like where I'm at man it's just I think that the problem with that thought process, though, is comparison. You're comparing your situation to, to hers. You're comparing. Um, comparison is rough, man. When you start comparing things in life, and, and I, it's, yeah. I think it's I think it's where a lot of people get tripped up is uh, it, it, it's a me versus you, this versus that no. sometimes with comparison. And I'm not saying that's that's where it goes here. Yeah. But I think it's it's important to. In general, um, comparison only hurts us when we when we when we try to when we try to judge where we're at versus where somebody else is at. Um, and I think it does in this case because because I think you're judging that your problems are going to burden her burden her significantly more than they really are. Um, and it's just something to, to to watch out for, I guess. Yeah, I just dude, honestly, like I would have rather be in her situation. Oh, yeah, I would rather take it away from her. Like legit dude. And I don't just say this, like if I could make a deal with God right now and be right. like, Hey man, I'll give up my life. You give her hers back. Everything. I'd do it today. Hold on. But think, think that through though. I know think that through. Cause I know. what would that do to her? I know, but I would do it in a second. Would you, I would do it in a second because all I want is for her to be better, you know? And, it's harder. It's harder. This is harder for me. I really, like I've been on the other side of the injury where she's nursed me back, you know, yeah. um, several different injuries, several different surgeries, lots of recovery time. And 
she was always a strong one, you know? And like, it's like, man, I feel stupid a lot of times because I'm not as strong as she is. You know what I mean? And I just, I just would do anything to take it away from her and I can't, and that feels worse. And then trying to be the strong one like she is, is hard. She's, it's hard to, it's hard to be like Heidi. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say, man. All I can say is I'm super proud of Heidi. I want to be like my wife. I feel like she's one of the strongest people on the planet. And uh, if you want to feel better about your situation, I suggest going and watching some of Heidi's stories, Yeah, you know, and realizing that with everything that she has going on, she's super positive. She's super happy. She's hardworking. And uh, I mean, I just can't say enough good things. I can't either. Honestly, everything you said, I can, I can say. And so can everybody. Everybody who knows Heidi just loves Heidi. It's true. People don't not Aww, like Heidi. I'm you serious. guys, stop. Heidi, you're the best. People always just love you because I th- I think what people love most about you is you're just who you are. You're not, you are not out there to people please. And you are not out there to pretend like you're somebody who you aren't. And people see it and it's just like, holy shit, she's real. Mm-hmm. That, that, that woman is real. Like everything about her, she's not putting on a show and holy shit, she just offended me, but she's real and I don't like it. I offend a lot of people. Let's be honest. Great. The more people you offend, it's probably a good sign that you're being authentic. Yep. It's okay to be authentic. I mean, obviously, you got I think bit more of tact. people. Oh shit! I don't have no, that. You've got, yeah, that's the thing. You have plenty of tact with with how. Yes, you. I can't, Marcus. How many? How many? How many times can you count that Heidi's made a scene publicly? Uh, um, every day, all the time. That's what she does. That's who she is. It's great. It's not, it's why you what you love about her. But it puts a, pe- a smile on people's faces. Like yep. just be who you are. Enjoy life and laugh when you fall. Like. Yep. It's fine. Yep. Seems to be working for you. I love it. So checklist question. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask Heidi, like, yes, if you've listened to our show, right, you realize that like Dave's been listing off checklist things that people that could help people. Right. Yeah. And for people to actually go home and like try and do. And for me, this show, I've incorporated a lot of those checklist items and I felt like I've made some like huge improvements from working on things we talk about with your experience and everything and everything that you've gone through what and you know Dave's already given a couple but what checklist items would you give people to work on that would help them improve I would give them to check keep people who are close to you close because like in all this um like find out who your real people are And keep them close because the thing I learned is your people who are behind you are going to have your back no matter what. And relationships are the most important thing you can take with you throughout life. Perspective has been put in my face like, okay, what really matters? Your team really matters. Look look who is your friend and see if they're the people you want to be like. And like if they're not like find some new friends or find someone who can support you and be there and like talk to or um, any of that stuff. Just find your, find your support team and hold them close and tell them how much you love them every day because you never know if you have another chance. I think that's, uh, you know, everybody talks about having their circle, right? You don't just have a circle. You have to maintain that circle. Yeah. Relationships, require maintenance some much less than others good example andy frizzella and i are 
I would call him like one of my best friends and I don't even know why because we could go two years, three years without talking to each other, talk to each other mm-hmm. once and then pick up where we left off. And, and, and some relationships are like that. Other relationships need to be the, the, a great example of a great friend, Matt Arnold, Billy Luber. We talk about him all the time. He, he puts in the work to maintain the relationship with us and to make sure we know how much he loves us in the form of his gifts and just he is the most thoughtful gift giver in the world. It's insane. Um, but quality time, everything that he does. So it's, uh, I think what you're saying is figure out what your circle is and then what are you doing to maintain it? Right. And be there for someone. Yeah. Like yeah. that's another thing is like, yeah, there's a lot of people who've been there for me through this last seven months. I can't wait to be there for someone else. Yeah. I want to pay it for it. I want to be there. If it's people for at NeuroWorks or if it's just my own friends or family, that matters the most to me. Yeah. We'll spend a whole life, our whole life, trying to repay and to show kindness the way that we have been shown kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about that every day, dude. Like, and I'm not ever going to post it on my Instagram and be like, look what I did, guys. It's just not who I am. But since Heidi's injury, I've taken every possible opportunity to serve other people. And I do that because I feel indebted to so many people and not to them specifically, but just to pay it forward. Right. So one thing that we'll be doing every year is we're going to be doing the good vibes race, that motocross race. We'll find someone else who's in need of therapy, who's in need of support. And we're going to do that race once a year and it won't be for Heidi or our therapy. In fact, I want to put this out there. Like we're good, you know? We've had so much support that I think that if you were considering supporting us, find somebody else. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like my goal in life is to try to catch up. And so I think that my checklist item is service. Find someone to help um, and find someone, whether it's your circle of friends, and reaching out and helping them or finding just random people. Like I'll, I'll come across Facebook posts and I want, again, I'm not going to get into details. I'm not trying to make myself sound like a saint cause I'm far from it. Right. But just take every opportunity you can to serve. And, uh, that's what yeah. the rest of my life's going to look like. I love that, that's man. Awesome. That's a, the rest of your life's looking pretty promising then because that's a happy life. It's a very happy path. So on our checklist items, we've got number one, create some form of uh, gratitude routine, whether it's gratitude, you know, prayer in the morning, whatever it is, figure out a way to be very consciously aware of your what you're grateful for. Number two was take an inventory of your self-thoughts, of your thoughts, self-talk, whatever's going on in your head, start paying attention to it. Maybe at first don't even pass any judgment on it. Just realize it recognize that you're that you might be talking to yourself in a negative way and you don't even realize it because you've been doing it for so long that's where a lot of us are stuck um number three was from Heidi which was figure out who your circle is and do some work to maintain it and especially if you can think of somebody or find a way reach out to help somebody who you know could potentially use your help which goes right into line with, uh, right in line with uh, Marcus's number four, which was service. service. Just find ways to help. Doesn't matter where or how. Start. I mean, it's actually really hard sometimes to find ways to help people. It's really frustrating. Um, there's times where you just want to get involved with a good charity or something, and you look around. It's like, where do you even begin? It's hard to find. So that's one thing I've always kind of wanted to do is create some sort of 
website or a directory of good deeds. Um, I've played with the idea for years, just haven't figured out a good way to put it together, but that's a big one because, like I said, man, that just creates a happy life. It brings you so much joy and fulfillment. There's nothing like it. There's no joy in this world that that is better or more fulfilling than serving somebody else. giving to somebody else rather than receiving, right? But keep in mind, it doesn't have to be big. No. It, it doesn't have, you don't have to, I mean, sometimes I think with service, people complicate it. And they want to make it big and they want to make it elaborate. Buy a girl a Diet Coke yeah. and call, like, and say, yeah. I hope you have a good day. Yeah. I mean, just as simple as that. Yeah. It does, so that's my tidbit. Sometimes like it's just that. your time. Just giving somebody your time to talk to them. Sometimes somebody just needs to have a friend. A hug. Yeah. I mean, legit, don't complicate it. Yeah. It could take zero dollars. Because I think a lot of people see things and they're like, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do a $1,000 tip dinner or whatever right. it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't take any money at all, man. You can be in any situation in life and serve and help other people. Yeah. 100%. Excellent advice. Anybody else want to add any other items? I would take, uh, elaborate on yours with your categorizing your thoughts. And you already have that positive thought. Every time you you said you wouldn't let a negative thought come into your mind, replace it with something positive. You can yeah. catch yourself having a negative thought, replace it with that positive thought from this morning. Or do an act of service. you gotta, you got to act whenever you, that negative thought comes into your head. That's true, because if you don't, then you have a void there. Yeah. And it's an empty space where any invasive thought can come in, whether it be good or bad. But it could be any one of these checklist items. It could be thinking of somebody else. It could be doing a service. It could be categorizing your thoughts. Just, I love it. Act on it. That's solid. Hans, any checklist items? Producer Hans? A brighter sweater. I I just know I can't text you before mine now. Yeah, he did say that out loud. (laughs) Where's Marcus going? He's testing the stairs out. Get my pee bag. Oh, that's right. So that's a, that's part of the process. That's part of the world it's you're living part, in. Yep. You're carrying around a bag full of your pee. We should yep. run a tube right down the grate. Oh, yeah, you could just let it rip. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> that's right. You don't know. I got to have a bag to let it rip. You have no control over it. No. Well, there's been a couple times I've been able to go, but like. Do you feel the urge like when you yeah. have to pee? Yeah. But it's like just, it's full. I can't go. You just got to go and it's just like. It just sits there. Out of business. Yeah. <laughs> That's so wild. Out of work, just like my gut. I don't know when I'm full or I don't know when I'm hungry. Like, But you I, have to, are you maintaining some sort of diet? You were on a diet before, right? You were. I always used to count macros or yeah. like have meals brought in or whatever. And that's kind of what I've just been doing now Yeah, is having meals brought in. So I know exactly what I'm eating. Didn't you have a food sensitivity or something? Yeah, I got all sorts of gut issue. Are you okay there? Big guy. <laughs> He's here. Coming up the stairs. Anyways. So yeah, this is this is part of the real life. This is this is part of the process. Um, but it's something that what's cool is that's something that you can actually look forward to. Yeah. Being able to use your bladder again. Like you're that's it's such a small, silly thing, but it's a it's a big thing to these people. Um, I just hope it comes back. Yeah, and but, it may not. And that's okay if it because I will have some sort of side effect. Right. I don't care if it doesn't come back. I would like it to come back. Yeah. But it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. You guys hook up the pee bag and you're yeah, we're back good. in business. Yeah. It's I flowing. That. That's, honestly, that's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is when you get on and you look in like the big popular high profile podcast, it's usually people that are kind of speaking from a platform down to you. Like I, this is what I did to become successful. This is blah, blah, blah. This is, this is how you get to where I'm at, where I'm at. And I don't ever want to come across like that. I want to come across like we're real people with real problems, just like 
everybody listening to this, and we're just talking about them. We're talking about just because each of us has had a certain amount of success doesn't mean that we, it doesn't come with a fair share of problems. And so I hope the listeners never think that we're up here on this you know, podium talking down to you because these checklist items are literally, I'm giving these to you, Marcus. You're giving these to me. Like this is, this is a conversation between us. This is not a I'm conversation a up or down. Of this podcast. Yeah, 100%. So I hope you guys realize that this is, this is, uh, this is just this situation right here at the table with the pee bag just helped me remember that this is real. This is as real as it gets. So um, that's what I like about it. It's not, it's not made up. Regular ass dudes. And a or lady. Authentic. And a lady. Rad. 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 Regular ass dudes. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Oh, where it was it at? Is this for the website or for the podcast? Just in the episode. What? End of the podcast. What's the, do we have the website yet? Rad. So you want me to tell them to do something, but don't tell them where they can go to do it. I just said the link in the bio. Oh, yeah, we do have the link. It's ready to go. Oh, okay. He's got headphones on. Hey, guys, guess what? We've got our situation figured out here. We have created a form on our website where you can go and, um, you know, a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, I'd love to be on your show. I've had this cool uh, life or this experience or this story, and it's really hard to figure out how to vet through all that. So we're going to simplify the process a little bit. If you feel like you would be a good person on the show if you have a cool story if you have something you would like to share that you think would add value to other people's lives then we'd love to have you on the show so what you're going to do is go to our website which the link what's the website Wait, yeah, I think it's just gonna be heavychecklist.com. he says i think which is why i had to ask what's the website this point yeah the, there's going to be a link in the show description here guys you can click on that sorry this the reason why this is not done yet is because we're rapidly growing to make sure that we offer the best podcast experience and that we all stay committed to doing this because it's so helpful for not only us, but everybody who listens. So this is why this is all happening so fast. So there's going to be a link. You're going to click it. You're going to go to the website. Uh, We want you to film a 30 second uh, clip, ideally of who you are. Uh, 30 seconds is hard, especially for a long winded guy like me. Um, I think we're going to get it to hopefully take clips that are longer, but maybe 60 seconds max, a clip talking to us, explaining who you are and what your story is and why you think it'd be valuable to be on the show. Um, And then submit that with your other information on the website and we will sort through those. And I can't guarantee that we're going to get to everybody, but we would love to uh, talk with as many of you as we possibly can. And I know a lot of you have incredible stories that could change the lives. It's so cool, man. Um, You ever meet people out in public that have experience the podcast or they, they engage with it in some way or another mostly on instagram people will send me messages but i mean to be honest man i've met a lot of really good friends who started just listening to the podcast you know jake beck um i mean i could name a handful of them but it's crazy how many people have told me how like positive this is and how many changes they've made just by listening you know i've had um I've had a lot of people approach us and talk to about it, but I've seen dudes that like middle-aged dads, my, you know, like my age come up to me and they're like, dude, I lost 180 pounds. I went from making 40 grand a year. Now I'm making 120 grand a year. I had this conversation with somebody. Justin, Jesse, Bedley, can you describe 
Yeah, yeah. Justin, the jet ski repair guy, he moved from South Africa, totally mm-hmm. changed his life. Um, but I've had some of these wild conversations, and it's it's this is not me up here saying, look at us go, good for us. This is just me um, trying to actually express gratitude to you guys for listening and giving us an opportunity to be able to to do this. Because if there was no listeners, this would be a lot less motivating to to sit and record. It's still enjoyable, but you know, it's fun to have the audience that engages with it and follows along. And, uh, turns out there is some good advice here and there. Uh, it's positive to hear when you're doing something good too. It's nice. Yeah. That's one thing. It's funny. Everybody handles that differently. Andy Frazella, for example, he has a really hard time when uh, people come up to him in the public and talk, want to talk about like, Hey, you changed my life. Thank you. Like he really, really struggles with that. Um, and I'm not sure why, Actually, I think I am sure why, because sometimes it is a little exhausting because somebody's coming up to dump a huge emotion on you, and it's like, man, I am not in a position to be able to to, to handle this. So I think that's one thing you got to be cautious of, actually, is is uh, that's a whole different conversation. We actually I think we'll have a podcast on that, so I'll save that for that. With that said, uh, thank you guys for coming. Heidi, your story is incredible. Like, it's just cool. It, it's, it's, uh, it's cool because it actually could apply to anybody mm-hmm. not being a miracle like marcus said because it wasn't it's a lot of hard work but i mean if somebody follows your template of what you've been doing they can do it they can't anyone can do it you don't mm. have to be paralyzed you can put hard work in anything you want to put hard work into you don't have to be poor you don't no. have to have a bad relationship you don't have to be you know there's there's so many things that people mm-hmm. don't have to be stuck in yep just, find joy. Yeah, find little steps. If you could spread that mentality to other people, that's a real miracle. Right? Uh-huh. Spread your man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you give me celebration music on top I of I meant to give you a laugh. <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get those uh-huh. sounds adjusted. Yeah. yeah. What, what was this one do? Birds. Crickets. Oh, crickets. Even worse. It sounded kind of like birds. There you go. The right. end. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>